When you have the right recon process in place, it's easy to stay ahead of the game. Put your recon on cruise control today with iRecon, the solution built directly in Viato that obliterates recon inefficiencies and accelerates your used car sales. Visit viato.com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Redwood Materials announces a massive new facility. Mahindra will drop $1.2 billion in a new EV plant in India, and Ford adds a third shift to one of its EV plants. Plus, a conversation with Bosch North America Executive Vice President Paul Thomas. We electrify or power everything from a bike that you can drive down the street all the way up to a semi, all the way up to an agricultural machine. When you look at that whole gamut of where we want to participate, um, we believe there's lots of opportunity Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Redwood Materials plans to invest $3.5 billion to build a battery materials plant in South Carolina. The factory near Charleston will conduct recycling, refining, and remanufacturing operations to capture and produce battery materials. Redwood Materials founder and CEO J.B. Straubel said during the company's announcement today that the new plant has room to grow. This campus will initially produce about 100 gigawatt hours per year worth of battery materials and battery components, both anode and cathode. But this site, more importantly, has enough space and enough capacity to allow us to expand well beyond that, all the way to several hundreds of gigawatt hours per year. This is a key part of why we're so excited about this particular location. Straubel also noted that many of Redwood's existing partners, including Toyota, Volvo, VW, Ford, Panasonic, and Envision AESC, all have major facilities in the region, which he calls an emerging battery belt. The plant will be Redwood's second major facility. Its existing facility near Reno, Nevada, is already recycling some material as it continues to build out. Indian automaker Mahindra says it will invest more than $1.2 billion to set up an EV manufacturing plant about 90 miles southeast of Mumbai. Mahindra says it has received government approval for the project. The company says the investment would be spread over a seven to eight year period. India's car market is tiny compared to its population, and EVs make up just 1% of total car sales but the government wants to grow this to 30% by 2030. The new plant will help Mahindra take on domestic rival Tata Motors, which dominates India's EV market. Cox Automotive was one of the more bullish prognosticators heading into 2022. A year later, heading into 23, they're one of the more bearish. While automakers and other forecasters project U.S. light vehicle sales of 14.7 to 15 million vehicles next year, Cox estimates only about 14.1 million will be sold. Cox executive analyst Michelle Krebs says higher interest rates are starting to push people out of the market just as production begins to increase. Now, interestingly, we're seeing inventory improve, production improve, and that's heading right into the buzzsaw of the economy faltering. So we, we do not see the big uptick next year that others do. Krebs was talking during our Automotive News LinkedIn Live event yesterday, which looked back on the industry in 2022 and ahead to next year. If you missed that discussion, you can still see it on demand on Automotive News LinkedIn page. 
And Ford says it has added a third shift at an assembly plant near Detroit as it boosts production of its F-150 Lightning electric pickup. Ford says it has added 250 jobs in November at its Rouge plant in Dearborn, Michigan, as a result of the additional crew. The automaker previously said it was targeting annual production of 150,000 Lightning electric pickups by the fall of 2023. The head of Ford's commercial vehicle business, Ted Canis, says the unit is seeing, quote, huge demand. He told reporters that Ford thinks EV subsidies under the Inflation Reduction Act could fuel even more demand for the company's electric trucks and vans. But Canis said many businesses and fleet management companies are still unsure if they qualify for those subsidies. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, with Redwood Materials recycling battery minerals, are we watching the advent of a new industry? Yeah, in a sense we are. It's a, a really a new component of the whole value chain of the auto industry. In the past, there would be some recycling in the scrappage process of, of old vehicles, but now we're talking about you know, 20, 30% of the value of a family vehicle being available for uh, you know reuse to be recycled and put back into the batteries of new cars. So it really kind of changes the whole nature of the industry when we look a generation or two down the road. We definitely live in some interesting times. Uh, coming up, we'll hear from Bosch North America Executive Vice President Paul Thomas. That's next on Daily Drive. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. Hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Warning. Your reconditioning process needs attention. Unexpected shortages and delays can throw off even the most routine recon work, slowing your sales and eating into your bottom line. Identify and fix reconditioning inefficiencies to turn your inventory faster with iRecon. This reconditioning solution, built directly in V-Auto, keeps you in control of your service department and puts your recon on cruise control. With real-time alerts and reports, iRecon helps you get ahead of potential issues before they become costly problems. You'll be able to track who's doing the work and how long tasks are taking, see the status of any vehicle in an instant, and make adjustments where needed. And it's all done in an easy-to-use dashboard you can customize to fit your workflow. Obliterate inefficiencies and accelerate your used car sales only with iRecon. Run your personal recon diagnostics with us today and put your process on cruise control. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. As German supplier Bosch spins up its businesses around electric vehicles and fuel cells, it's also continuing to invest in traditional technologies, all with the goal of maintaining its ranking as the world's largest auto industry supplier. At Automotive News Congress last week, Bosch North America Executive Vice President Paul Thomas said that the company has invested $6 billion over the past few years on electric vehicle and fuel cell technologies. But he says the company has no intention to abandon some of its core products, such as fuel injectors and braking and fuel system components, as it transitions to EVs and other alternative technologies. 
Thomas spoke with automotive news editor Lindsay Chappell. Here's a piece of their conversation. I found it fascinating that Bosch, with all your resources and expertise, decided not so long ago you did not want to be uh, a battery maker. It seems like the ticket to uh, fortune these days. Uh, there's a wild west of uh, battery demand. Why, why would you sit that out? Yeah, I mean, we, we took a look at the technology and said, okay, um, we want to help make batteries better. All right, so Bosch is engaged in a lot of discussions about chemistry. We're engaged in a lot of discussions about how to manufacture battery cells better and how to put them into a pack also in a better way and to ensure that, of course, where people talk about security of the battery pack, security of the battery management system. So it was a decision that we made um, to basically stay engaged in uh, the environment mm -hmm. of the battery, so managing the battery in the cloud, um, doing health services and battery, dealing with fleets that have electric vehicles. But we also decided that hydrogen also is a very good opportunity um, as you start looking at the economy and you start saying, okay, in class five, six, or seven, eight vehicles, if you can't electrify them, can you use hydrogen, can you use different ways of injecting it or storing it to make that better? So I would say it was a, it was a decision that we made and uh, we're not moving away from supporting EV vehicles. Uh, We'll make tons of e-machines. Uh, we'll assemble lots of packs and uh, things along those lines. You, you'll be uh, uh, intricately involved in batteries. You just won't be the supplier of the battery. Correct. For OEMs. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, on the subject of hydrogen, you, you alluded to this earlier. The company said uh, just this summer that uh, it would invest $200 million in the South Carolina plant to uh, make fuel cells. And I bet if we took a poll of everybody in this room, there would be a, a high percentage of people who said, yeah, we're not really ready for fuel cells in the auto industry. Yeah, you obviously, Bosch disagrees with that. What, why, what do you see happening in fuel cells that made you bullish on the subject? Yeah, I think that, you know, not to get into all the technical side of it, but I mean, the power density provides very good opportunities as you move into um, let's say one ton, two ton type vehicles, or even your class six or seven um, trucks. And you can, it's public, publicly known, we're supplying a fuel cell system to a large semi-truck mm -hmm. supplier that will have trucks on the road here um, pretty soon. So we see applicability. Um, like I said, we electrify or power everything from a bike that you can drive down the street all the way up to a semi, all the way up to an agricultural machine that you can see in South America that's do, doing tons of mining. So. When you look at that whole gamut of where we want to participate, um, we believe there's lots of opportunity based upon our heritage of uh, diesel injection, gasoline injection, that we have the know-how um, to manage the, the fuel cell type of business and the great responsibility that comes with hydrogen mm -hmm. and the ability to uh, control it and, and make it safe and, and distribute it in a, in a proper way. So I would say it's a great decision for a company like ours with the resources that we have in place, the know-how we've had historically, and our product portfolio today supports um, hydrogen in a very good way, mm -hmm. even from a stationary standpoint, mm -hmm. you know, to power homes or, yeah. or locations as energy is hard to get to. I, I wouldn't ask you to reveal uh, your, the conversations you're having with uh, customers or potential customers, I mean, unless you want to, but um, is it that uh, the makers of big trucks everywhere, you, you use the word opportunities, that other truck makers are probably going to go the same 
technology direction? You know, I've heard conflicting opinions yeah. about hydrogen in the market. You know, there might be one company that thinks it's the right thing to do. There's other companies that think it is, uh, it isn't, or it is the right thing to do. So I think it's going to be a balance, right? Um, really, what their fleets are used for, what type of trucks, whether the long haul trucks or short haul trucks. But I mean, we're even seeing, you know, I think in the news today, a passenger car uh, made by a Japanese uh, supplier or OEM is talking about a fuel cell in that, right? So mm -hmm. I think it really has to do with what direction uh, the company wants to go and if they feel the use case and the technology they want to put in their vehicles work. So I see a, a good mix yeah. of hydrogen in the industry. And I, I, I really believe that uh, the density of the, of the material, um, the ability to possibly um, use it uh, to extend the range of vehicles is, is a very high opportunity for the market. You know, we're talking about new technologies and opportunities in new technologies, but with that, they don't just come out of thin air. You have resources, you have manufacturing resources that you have to figure out, you know, how do we get this? And it's interesting that, you know, you're, you're investing this money in, in South Carolina to do this. That was a diesel factory, right? You were making diesel products there and you're taking it from a product that may or may not have a future in the near term to a, a, a really advanced concept of a, a product. Yeah, I, think it's, I think you made a good observation. We want to be every, we want to be in all industries as long as we can, right? So at the end of the day, we believe there's a future in ICE. I mean, each region will have its own specific approach, whether you're talking about the Americas, whether you're talking about China, Europe, or Eastern Asia, everyone will approach the ICE engine in a different way. So, you know, taking our, our manufacturing footprint in that area, and then applying, let's say, new technologies or new investments into those plants. It's really been exciting because our workers or our associates that are working in those plants um, are able to shift. And they're able to see that, okay, the difference between uh, maybe making a diesel injector or a rail and then moving into fuel cell, fuel cell is something that we can train. Mm. Yeah, and it really um, it promotes our localization as well, um, trying to be strong uh, within the regions uh, and deliver the technologies for the region within the region. So a real strong local for local yeah. approach. You know, another thing I want to point out is, you know, when you start talking about the software defined vehicle, so moving away from the hardware a little bit. Um, we also um, have companies like ETAS, which is working on the overall infrastructure of delivering software on a unified basis to the market. On top of uh, a company like ETAS, we have our software defined vehicle organization, which is looking at this great hardware position that we have with tons of embedded software. And moving up to tech stack, I thought was really interesting today and how we connect this lovely set of hardware and embedded software that we have to the cloud and to the consumer. So um, it's really uh, an interesting time, as you mentioned, to balance the capital, to balance the, the resources, the people, and upskill them to be properly trained and, and delivering value, and also making the right bets on technology mm -hmm. and doing it with the right partners. and. Uh, that's been a big push for me, in the region at least. For partners? It's, it's fine partners. You have some interesting partners, right? Amazon, for example. What in the world is Bosch doing working with Amazon? Yeah, so um, with, with uh, the web services group, we're trying to develop a fleet solution. Uh -huh. So, right, so what, makes, what makes Amazon tick is, of course, they're beautiful products and they're a great company, but they deliver, a lot of, they deliver a lot of products and they use a lot of miles. So how do we manage those miles? How do we make that more efficient? How do we make them have more uptime and deliver along those ways? 
Another thing that's really um, near and dear to my heart is in, in Detroit itself, we have a smart parking lab, which is just right down here in the city um, with Bedrock, Ford, and Bosch. And we've had many partners um, work through that organization to showcase new technologies, whether it's wireless charging, whether it's uh, in-vehicle safety, or whether it's in-vehicle monitoring. And we see that these partnerships are starting to make it into the, into the real world. And, we chose to do that not as a, an incubator. We're not looking to make lots of money doing that. All we're looking to do is bring people together to collaborate mm -hmm. and to learn from it and to deliver, let's say, products to the market that uh, make people's lives a little bit easier. Paul Thomas is Executive Vice President of Bosch North America. He spoke with our own Lindsay Chapel last week at Automotive News Congress in Detroit. If you missed that event, you can still get on-demand access to all of those conversations at autonews.com by clicking the Events and Awards tab on our homepage. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Jerry Hirsch and Dave Phillips for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on challenges facing suppliers, investments in battery manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with Chris Ermson, CEO of the self-driving technology company, Aurora Innovation. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.